Hello and welcome to episode 169 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I'm Anthony Malakian, editor of Waters Technology. So in just a minute, we'll have Brian Harkins and Allison Singer on, and they're going to discuss uh, the Wall Street Rides Far for Autism Research charity events, and we're going to talk about uh, just autism research in general. Um, it's something where a lot of Wall Street firms have um, donated their time and efforts um, and money um, to helping to find a cure to either cures, make it a more livable um, uh, illness. So they'll be on to discuss that. And that's the important thing. That's, you know, but just one quick minute here. Just want to talk about our pro- a programming note. So obviously the last couple of weeks of August, you know, really probably the last couple of months, uh, really <laughs> uh, relatively slow as people go on vacation. So we'll be back on a regular weekly schedule moving forward. Uh, sometimes we'll have guests, um, but we're also going to be bringing on more reporters um, for Waters and for uh, occasionally Risk to dis- just to discuss what's going on in the industry and try and provide a little bit of insights into what we're hearing. We've done that in the past, moved away from it a little bit, but I think there is value in that. Maybe there's a hybrid blend in there. You know, I mean, we've, we've done 169 of these episodes and you'd think we'd have this locked down by now, but it is a little bit of uh, tinkering that that needs to be done. Um, so this is all to say, we know we haven't really been hitting on tech and data issues as hard as we should uh, recently, but we're, uh, like I said, we're going to be tinkering with the format. If you have some ideas, uh, right way, that, uh, the things that we do right, the things we do wrong, you can always email me at anthony.malakian at infopro-digital.com. We'll have it listed on the site, obviously, or you can just give me a call at 646-490-3973. Additionally, if you haven't been to Waters Technology in the last couple of weeks because you've been away, uh, we have some real good stuff up there, I think. Uh, we, most notably, uh, Reb Natal wrote a story about how since the Ion Group acquisition of Fidesa, over 400 people, more than 400 people have left Fidesa. Most of that is through people resigning. There have been about 100 resignations. Um, and while there, that was to be expected, you know, obviously they were going to be cut in headcount. Uh, a lot of senior management has left. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting story, and we'll be building on that in the future. Uh, also go check out Josephine Gallagher examined how Plato's planned platform uh, how uh, that it will provide market quality metrics on European equities and equity-like instruments free of charge, how that platform could serve as a precursor to a European consolidated tape. What else we have? We got uh, Joe Wright, uh, our editor in London. She did a deep dive into regulators in the U.S. and Europe and how they're increasingly starting to examine the risks, the risks associated with AWS uh Google Cloud Platform and Microsoft Azure, as more and more firms uh, put stuff, put um, their platforms and services into the cloud. Uh, that was really interesting. That's going to be a big, big developing. I mean, a lot of people have written about it, but that's going to affect our industry a lot going forward. Uh, Hamad Ali wrote about the various efforts underway to provide standards around blockchain development um, rather than these bespoke projects that just don't talk to each other. Um, so that was really interesting. Spoke with a lot of academics and a lot of um, uh, just uh, people that are at some of these regulatory bodies that are looking to develop uh, standards. Max Bowie did uh, about a 4,000-word deep dive into how real estate 
could become prime to become the next big tradable asset class. It's a huge market, but it's not an easily tradable asset class. Um, but improved data and technology, specifically blockchain, could help to make that become more mainstream. Uh, Mia David uh, delved into how Quandle is using algorithms to predict com- companies' future earnings. Again, just you know, different kind of ways of using algorithms and various kinds of AI to better direct um, people toward future events. Uh, Wei Shen Wang, our editor out in Asia, did a deep dive into how firms are increasingly using open source tools to experiment with machine learnings. Uh, open source obviously becoming more and more important and more and more accepted in the industry. And there are so many different ways of using machine learning. People are kind of overwhelmed. Open source is helping with helping with that experimentation process anyway. Um, I wrote a story looking at how Scotiabank is turning to cloud GPUs for risk calculations and as a result have significantly improved the time it takes to run XVA calculations and they're going to be expanding this in the future. These are all interesting topics, you know, at least for the world of capital markets technology, I guess. Um, and they are ripe for further discussion on this plat- podcast platform. Yeah. <laughs> We've moved away from how reporters banter about these issues, but I think we're going to look to increasingly move back in that direction. Uh, so no matter what, you know, anyway, you know, we thank you for your time uh, and for being supportive of this podcast. We hope to have a lot of interesting things coming up for you um, in the fall and as we move into 2019. Okay, enough about us. Uh, next up is a discussion with Brian and Allison about autism in general, advancements that have been made in finding a cure, and why this bright bike ride charity event came about and how you can sign up if you're interested. All right, thank you. And now I am joined by Allison Singer, the founder and president of the uh, Autism Science Foundation. Allison, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. And also joining us is uh, Brian Harkins. He's uh, Executive Vice President at SIBO Global Markets, and he is also the co-founder, along with his wife, of Wall Street Rides Far. And uh, Brian, thanks for being here. Thanks for good to see you again. Thank absolutely, you. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, you might have heard Brian on our podcast maybe a year or two ago, something like that. Um, we did talk a little bit briefly about um, Wall Street Rides Far, which is um, its, its aim is to fund autism research and so we're going to talk a little bit about the event itself since it is geared toward you know it's, it's open to everybody but obviously wall street rides far many of uh, the listeners here are already familiar with it um and then we're going to talk a little bit about autism research as well that's why uh, we brought in allison as well and how their uh, foundation got involved in this um charity let's just start off here brian a little bit about what Wall Street Rides Far is uh, and uh, why it was created in the first place. Absolutely, you know, Wall Street Rides Far. We like to say it's a sense. It's a it's a sense of community. It's not just an event. <clears throat> it's not just a bike ride. Uh, it's about this wonderful network of people, a community of people that really want to give back, uh, particularly for for autism. About five years ago, uh, my wife and I, we had the idea of really channeling that network and all the wonderful people in our industry, and we wanted to come up with something creative, a creative concept uh, focused specifically on autism. And, you know, there's a lot of wonderful charities out there. There's a lot of amazing events, um, and everybody's vying for people's time. So how do you stand out from the pack and try to create a memorable experience? So we had the idea to create a bike ride uh, with that community of people 
but really funded and backed by the generosity of Wall Street, and mm -hmm. thus Wall Street Rides Far was born about five years ago. Okay, and then for our audience that might not be as familiar, um, Autism Science Foundation. Allison, give us a little bit about your background, how this uh, organization kind of came together. Well, I am the mother of a beautiful 22-year-old daughter who is diagnosed with very severe autism, and I also have an older brother who's diagnosed with autism. He was diagnosed back in the 1960s. Okay. So autism has been part of my life for all of my life, um, and things have really changed in the autism community. When my brother was diagnosed, uh, we thought autism was the result of bad parenting. My mother, for example, was called a refrigerator mother and told that she was too cold to be a proper parent. And that's why so much there was so much stigma associated around autism for so many years because people were blaming the parents. We know now that autism is primarily a genetic disorder, that it has absolutely nothing to do with bad parenting. In fact, families raising children with autism are among the most loving and giving families you will ever meet. Um, we've but we have been able to learn more about autism because we have made investments in research. We are trying to understand the causes of autism and develop treatments that target the underlying biology, the underlying causes of autism. Even when my daughter was diagnosed back in the late 90s, doctors didn't know anything about what was causing autism. They wanted to throw a little Prozac at her. They you know, didn't know what she should do. Um, and I said, how is the Prozac? What is the underlying biology by which Prozac is going to help her? And you know, there was nothing. They said, oh, it might make her feel better. We have to do better than that. Yeah. We have to have targeted treatments, targeted medicines that are focused on the molecular causes, the genetic causes of autism. That's what our family members deserve. And that's why investing in research is so critical. Now, research is expensive. Um, it takes a lot of money uh, to fund clinical trials, to test interventions. And so that's why events like Wall Street Rides Far are so important to us because it brings the community together. Not only does it increase awareness of autism, but it helps us raise the funds that are necessary to invest in the research that's, that our children deserve. And you know, before we get back into the event itself, can you talk a, a little bit about some of the advancements that have been made in the field through uh, through research, through um, through these studies, and through these uh, charitable works, I guess. So one of the most important advances, in my opinion, has to do with the, the sex ratio in autism. We've known for about 20, 30 years that four times as many boys are diagnosed with autism as girls, mm -hmm. right? And so we thought that, oh, there must be something testosterone-linked, or it must be chromosome-related, because otherwise, why would more boys have it than girls? Mm -hmm. Through the genetics research that we've invested in the last five years, we have discovered that the genes that cause autism are actually equally distributed in boys and girls. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that there are girls running around um, who have a genetic deletion or duplication that were they a boy, they would have autism. And yet in girls, they have this gene, but they're not, they have no clinical symptoms of autism. So mm -hmm. this really turned our thinking upside down. We said maybe being male doesn't confer risk for autism, maybe being female confers resilience, mm -hmm. right? So we said, we have to look at what these girls, what else these girls have in common. 
So we launched a project called the Autism Sisters Project where we are building a database of these girls who have genetic deletions or duplications that should cause autism, Uh that are autism genes. And we're trying to figure out what else they have in common. Because if we can harness that factor that's protecting the girls, we can leverage that to create something to protect both boys and girls from autism. Okay. And Brian, uh, for uh, Wall Street Rides Far, so the event is October 5th, I believe. That's correct? right. Um, we'll talk a little bit uh, toward the end about how people can register, how they can donate. Can you talk a little bit about um, where these funds go, what the uh, target uh, for this um, charitable endeavor is, I guess? Yeah. So, well, first, I mean, the, one of the reasons why we keep going <clears throat> and uh, the ride keeps growing every year is... How many is, years is it again? This is the fifth year. Fifth year. Sorry. is really for the stories that uh, you just heard from Allison is that um, my wife and I have gone to the day of learning that the Autism Science Foundation hosts every year where you hear all the amazing scientific research where scientists with all sorts of ideas um, and they're bringing their findings and their research and some of the clues they may have um, obviously a lot of unanswered questions mm-hmm. uh, but the work is extremely inspiring uh, and that's really what the, the event is founded on. It's the main beneficiary is, the sole beneficiary is the Autism Science Foundation. Okay. So every rider that shows up due to the extreme generosity and uh, of the corporate sponsors means that the entire event is, is paid for and every money, every dollar that the riders raise goes directly to the foundation to fund research. Okay, very good. And so there are many sponsors already, but, you know, just some of the ones that our audience might uh, particularly know, but SIBO, uh, GTS, Citadel, Two Sigma, IEX, Virtue, you know, there are, there are other sponsors as well. Um, for companies that might want to get involved and sponsor, I'd, I'd assume that that's still open, yes? Uh, oh, yeah. How would they kind of go about that? We love corporate sponsors. That's the <laughs> quickest way to grow because, yep. you know, recruiting riders one by run, one by one is that's how we got the, the ride off the ground. But really with the corporate sponsors and the teams that they bring, that's how the ride really scales is if each corporate sponsor or each team can bring 10, 15 riders, that's how we got to where we are, which is into the hundreds of riders per year. Um, and as you mentioned, it's some of the biggest names in Wall Street. Uh, all the exchanges are involved in some way, shape, or form. It's largely been an equities type of event, but it's now starting to branch out into f- uh, foreign exchange and derivatives. So really all walks of life in Wall Street are, are really being uh, playing a part in this in this event now. Okay. And just uh, so, the, so the event, again, it's October 5th. Uh, it's going to be at Saxon Woods Country Park in, on Mamaroneck Avenue in White Plains. Um, there are different events, different uh, things that families can do. So it's meant to be just not just for bike lean enthusiasts. It's a family thing. People can walk. Um, there is a 62-mile, 30-mile, uh, 20-mile cycling routes, um, a 12-mile route, a 4-mile ride, 5K trail walk, and then uh, family festivals and activities. That's me obviously reading off of a sheet there, Brian. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, just how, what this kind of day entails? Yeah, it's, I mean, you nailed it. It's such an inclusive event, uh, and it's about, again, it's about that community it's not just about how good of a bike rider you are or even whether you own a bike or not. We've tried to make this event as easy as possible where all you have to do is bring your enthusiasm. Um, sure, it'd be, it'd be helpful if you've been on a bike recently, but we even for the non-bikers, we have the 5K walk that we established last year to make it a really all-inclusive, family-friendly event. Mm-hmm. 
And Allison, so going forward, you know, the, the whole thing is autism awareness and, you know, searches for cures and a uh, way to improve um, lives. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the goals are going forward? You talked about some of the advancements that have already been made. Where do you, from an awareness perspective, what still needs to happen, I guess? Well, our primary goal is to fund research that improves the real lives of real people. So when we are looking at the types of research we want to fund, we are very much focused on how will this actually help a real person. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean we don't invest in basic science because you, you need the basic science in order to move towards more clinical science. But we're very much focused on uh, things that can be put into practice immediately in area in places where people with autism live, work, and have fun. So we're looking at interventions that can be done in elementary schools, on the playground at middle school, in the lunchroom in a high school, in a senior citizen recreation center. Uh, we are looking across all ages, all functional levels of autism, from people who have very severe autism to people who are much more high functioning. And we're looking at things like best practices in employment support. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, autism is a very heterogeneous disorder. There are people with all types of needs, and that's why we need to fund all types of research. Okay. And obviously, you know, I'm sure people in our audience, because this is something that makes a lot of headlines, but from an immunization standpoint, where does uh, the foundation stand on this on, I guess, do you support immunization? There are people that now that are not having their children immunized because they're worried about the effects of that. What's uh, the stance of your foundation and w what is science kind of telling uh, the, the people out there? The science with regard to autism and vaccination is very clear. Vaccines do not cause autism. Mm -hmm. We have now funded dozens and dozens of studies looking at the relationship between MMR vaccine and autism, between thimerosal-containing vaccines and autism, between the pace of the schedule, so by which I mean children who get zero vaccines versus children who get all of their vaccines on time or children who get vaccines on a slowed-down schedule. There's absolutely no difference in the rate of diagnosis of autism in any of those groups. Mm -hmm. So at this point, vaccines are probably the best studied environmental, potential environmental factor in, with regard to autism. We've invested a lot of money and time, and the results are very clear. Vaccines do not cause autism. It's uh, one of the frustrating things, and goes beyond just this, but with the rise of social media and the ability for anybody to share information, you know, you, we talk about wanting to raise awareness. It must be frustrating to also then have this rise of, you know, whether it's celebrities or whatever, kind of sharing false information, non-scientific information about this. How do you kind of go about combating that? Well, it is very frustrating when you see misinformation being spread on social media, but I think we always try to look at it from the standpoint that parents are coming at this from a really from a, a place of love, mm -hmm. right? They love their children so much. And when you have a child who's diagnosed with a disorder like autism, where you know that they are going to struggle their whole life and face challenges their whole life, it's very natural to want to blame someone or something for the fact that your family is going to be struggling like this. So I understand why families may feel like this. I understand why they may look to blame someone or something like vaccines. Vaccination, when you think about it, it's a very overt hostile act. You know, you're actually 
actually injecting something into your child. But it's a question, the question of whether vaccines cause autism is one that can be answered by science, yeah. right? We've done the studies and science has answered the question. Yeah. And it, it's not one of these situations where some of the studies show one thing and some of the studies show other things, so more work needs to be done. In this case, the science is very, very clear vaccines do not cause autism. In, in a sense, I wish that the studies came back the other way because, you know, if we found that they did cause autism, sure. we could stop that, <laughs> right? And then we would not have so many children being diagnosed with autism. But you have to be willing to accept what the science says. Fair enough. And then, uh, Brian, I'll get to you in one second. Just one other quick question that just kind of popped in my head. But obviously, with any sort of uh, medical research, the greatest advancements tend to be when there's kind of global communities kind of coming together, global academics, um, research facilities, doing their work and building off of what everybody else is doing. I'm just interested though, because it's something that I read a lot about as far as the research here in the U.S. from a global perspective in, say, England and Europe and then out to Asia. Is this something that the global community is coming around or is it still kind of nascent on those frontiers? Most of the research is being done here in the United States. A lot of research is being done here in the United States, but I think, as you're saying, other countries are recognizing that there are many children in their population who have autism. They may not be, ha they may not have access to the type of diagnostic services that our children have here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But that autism is a global phenomenon that we need research and intervention services all over the globe. I mean, one thing we've tried to do at the Autism Science Foundation is encourage international collaboration and collaborations by universities within the United States and really across across the world. Um, sometimes those types of um, infrastructure projects are not necessarily the most sexy, mm -hmm. but they are often the most important because that's what encourages groups to pool their data. It increases the number of children who are being who can be um, studied for a particular project, and it gives us much more uh, faith in the results because more children are involved. Okay, and so Brian, uh, I'll leave it to you to to wrap things up for the event itself. How would people go about getting involved, um, whether uh, participating on the day or if they are unable to make it, how they can also still be involved on the outside? Sure. The First, the, the event is October 5th. <clears throat> we have a website with all the information you need about the event, signing up. Uh, website is? WallStreetRidesFar.org. Okay. Uh, if you want to donate, um, you can donate right on the website. If you want to form a team, volunteer. Uh, anything, all the information is on the website. We do have a uh, production company that helps us plan the event, and they've done a wonderful job, Global Impact Productions. So they're really the backbone behind the event. And, of course, you can always reach out to me personally if you have any questions, uh, ideas uh, that you want to bring to the ride. Of course, we want as many people as possible to attend the event, but if anyone can attend, they can certainly sponsor Brian. He's a great <laughs> biker. You can go to his page at wallstreetridesfar.org and sponsor Brian Harkins. All right. Well, best of luck on the event itself and on the research going forward. Uh, you guys are doing great work, and we appreciate you coming on, giving a little bit of insight for our listeners. Thank you so much for Thank your you time. Thank you for today. having us. Thank you very much. Cheers. Have a good day, guys.